Welcome to episode 26 of the Tottenham Hotspur Family Podcast. Joining me this week, Nikki Merritt from Joburg. Hi, everyone. Um, Jess Nicholl from Staines. Evening. And Guy Jenks from Warwickshire. Good evening. Um, just a quick announcement. So, um, before we begin, um, Devan Pandya, who's one of he's appeared on the podcast a few times, um, he got married yesterday, so congratulations to Dev. Yeah, man. Yeah, congrats, Dev. Congratulations, yeah. It's all downhill now, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying nothing. The wife's about 10 foot away, so... (laughs) There's a a mug that somebody gave me a few years ago, which is quite apt, although um, I don't think I've got it anymore. I might have lost it or something. And it says something like, a man's life isn't complete until he's married, and then it's finished. (laughs) (laughs) No, Norman, I'm abstaining. (laughs) Anyway, right, Stoke. Um, let's talk about marriage. <laughs> let's talk about marriage, indeed. No, Stoke, Mickey, you want to talk about it. You had a lot to get off your chest. Yeah, I do have a lot to get off my chest. What the fuck was Pochettino thinking playing Vlad Kirikish? What on earth? The guy should not be played. He's risky. He's a liability. His positional play is diabolical. <sighs> It just went downhill. The minute I saw him actually on the team sheets, it was like, what the hell? I, I, I don't even know, guys. We were in no man's land today. I knew it was going to be tough going to Stoke. I knew that. But they wanted it more than we did. Um, the last pod, Beck said, well, you know, um, they don't really have anything to play for. They're in the, you know, it's where they are in the table, etc., etc." And, and with all due respect, I actually have never gotten that phrase. Uh, a team at the bottom of the table, middle of the table, top of the table, they don't have anything to play for or they've got everything to play for. Because I think on the day, every team has got everything to play for, especially the right to say, we beat Tottenham Hotspur. And that's exactly what they did. Mm. I can't oh. really argue with any of that, but... Mm. And I've got a, I haven't seen any of it, to be truthful. I, haven't, I, I know, obviously, we got beat. I know that. It's quite simple because I got one eye on it because I'd let again. I'd got a bet on both teams to score, so that's down the pan. Um, but no, I didn't see any of it. I don't even I don't even know anything about the goals. I've heard nothing at all, so I right. assume it was pretty dire. Well, it's both, both goals. unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, both goals are very avoidable. The first one, um, the cross is a little bit, it gets in too easy through our left back channel. So yeah, that's Chiriches and Vertonghen tries to get ahead to it, but it falls very nicely for Charlie Allen, but he's just got to tap in with his head. And the second goal, Larice and Dyer both have a bit of a muddle, a kafuddle and, uh, and Zonzi has an open goal to slide the ball into the third goal. We're chasing the game. So it's an irrelevance really. We, we, the game was over. And yeah. again, yeah. again it, it was as equally poor as the first two, but you know, Stoke give Stoke credit because before that, they were the dominant side. We we never got in, got into the game, and, and again, I think this is it stems again. 
two things. One, you're bang on, Nicky, about Churiches playing. However, I think the mitigation is that Rose wasn't fully fit. That was the question Which, I was going to ask. He played left back then? Churiches, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Rose no, was no, on the no, bench. No, 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 guys. Kirikush was seen to half. I was, and Vertonghen played left back. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's right. I don't get that. Why would Rose be on the bench? I cannot understand that. Apparently, he got fit. Apparently, got a knock. Well, apparently, got a knock, but he never come on either. So, I don't know. Maybe the squad, maybe we only had the 19 players. Maybe we only had. So, there's no point in. I mean, under Harry Redknapp, we had two keepers on the bench in some games, didn't we? Yeah, true. So, I, I don't know. The thing is, I don't I get mean, that though. I don't get that. I've always said if somebody's not fit or not no, they, fit, no, sure play them. Play them. If they cut, if they don't last, take them off. Yeah. But to send but the ball on, who might not be fit, you might be bringing them off again in ten minutes. Yeah. I don't get that. But as you say, Jesse, the squad might have been that stretched. It unavoidable. Kirika should have never been, play, been played centre half. He should have been played left back. That's it. He's less of a liability there. Why on earth did we play for Tongan in his position that he is not happy with? And you know, you're you're asking for problems. You're asking for trouble. Yeah, you are. But but the Tongan can play at left back. Well, he plays that for Belgium. Chir- doesn't he? is a centre half, albeit not a very good. Well, not even not a very good one. He's just a bag of nerves, and he just. I think the Premiership. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember. Um, Jika Popescu, when when we had him in the sort of ninety four ninety five season, yeah. he was like a holding midfielder, and he was he was actually the uh, complete opposite of Chiruches. He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, fantastic. But he left after one season and said the the Premiership is just too physical, and he went to Barcelona and was a very good player for Barcelona for six seven years. So. I don't know, maybe, maybe he just hasn't got a stomach for the fight. I think when you're brought up in a Romanian league, I'll imagine Stoy Bucharest, the head and shoulders above everyone else, you come to England, and it, and even if you do play for the best clubs, you've got a battle every week. And yeah, I'd say that's right. He may not have had that grounding. I, I, think I, I agree. Sorry, Nicky, but I, I, know, I take your point, Nicky, what you've just said, and I understand what you mean by that. But I, in Pochettino's defence, without knowing the background to why certain players were not available... Um, I, I can see why he's played Kiraches in what is, as Jesse says, his natural position. And then Vertonghen, who I know he's expressed a dislike of playing at left-back, but at the end of the day, he plays there for Belgium. So I can, see, I can see the sense in playing it that way, but then obviously, it, I can only assume he, was, he must have had a squad that was so stretched he'd got no choice but to play but, but, at centre-off. Okay. okay, but why would you play a weak player in such an important position? Vertonghen is better in that position in centre-half mm. than what Kirikish is. And we've played Kirikish in left-back before. So why would you swap them? Why would you put a weak player in such an important, integral position in the game? Well, effectively, if, effectively okay, it's, it's true that Vertonghen play can play left back and he, and he plays there for, for Belgium but effectively we have a situation where we had two centre halves playing for, uh, at full back so Vertonghen on the left and then you've got Dyer on the right now what I would have done and it would have been I'm not saying it, it would have been the right solution but it might have been less disruptive is brought Yedlin in at least he can play at right back and then you've mm. got Dyer and um, Fazio, who are actually who are both centre backs in the centre, and then okay, switch Vertonghen to the left. That yeah. rather than I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had Chiriches anywhere near the first team squad. I would have left him um, back at the training ground. I wouldn't have even had him on the coach to be honest. He's just a liability. Yeah. And the sooner we, the sooner he leaves the club, the better we all will be for it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Yeah, Absolutely, it's difficult to argue with that one, but. 
then again, we don't we don't know what they've seen of Yedlin in training. I mean, he had a cameo report, um, a cameo appearance, what two or three weeks back somewhere. Mm. I can't even remember. Yeah, it come was. on, it was at home. Yeah, home, yeah, home. Like, that's yeah. Right. yeah, and he didn't do anything wrong in the 10, 15 minutes he'd got. But it, it would appear to me that Pochettino, for whatever reason, has decided that he's not ready for a game. And let's face it, a full debut at Stoke would be a bit of a baptism of fire. Yeah, I think so. And especially the way Stoke play, they like to get in diagonal balls, a target of full-back areas. And if you've got a full-back that's 5'4", 5'5", 5'6", that's going to be easy pickings. And they'll, yeah. they'll play on that. They'll, they'll just put Crouch on him. I mean, sometimes it's not pretty to watch, but it gets results. And, and you have to be mindful of that. I wonder, if, just the other thing with Rose, he had the run-in with the Stoke faithful last year, didn't he? And uh, they were he was starting to lose it a bit. And I don't know whether that, that you know, maybe, and, and this is purely supposition, this isn't any concrete evidence of this at all, but maybe Pochettino thought, right, take him out of the firing line. Because Danny Rose's temperament this year has actually been superb, whereas yeah, in definitely. the past he has had a, the odd lash out now and again, to be honest. So I don't know, I don't know. I, I agree, in a utopian situation, Chirichez doesn't even get on the bench doesn't even get on the coach but um unfortunately we're not in utopia <laughs> quite obviously <laughs> did, uh, did did stoke play out now wingers uh, well i mean nortovic nortovic sort of plays off the left off the left but comes in off the right i'm trying to think they play waters they played no they, they played it quite tight actually they didn't really get round but senna they all Two of the goals were from crosses. Uh, well, I was going to say that, but I mean, the, where did the cross? I mean, again, you're getting a, bit, a little bit intricate, I suppose. But um, if the crosses are coming from sort of halfway or ten yards inside our half, which is what you alluded to then, Jess, rather than try and beat a man, they've got fellas who yeah. just ping diagonal balls in. And if that if that's the way they played, then they didn't. No, they didn't today. They they got they in behind us. The crosses no, were right. in off the byline. To be fair, for two of the goals, and the other one was a bit of a diagonal ball in, and Loris and uh, Dyer made a mess of it. I was right, going to say about about the second goal and and I the the one which to me looked like Larice screwed up. I didn't have the best stream and it was cutting it in and out. But was I right in was that a, a fair um, assessment on on Larice? I think it's I think it's yeah. Yeah. joint yeah. joint culpability for me because it, it came out for the ball and I think if you if, as a goalkeeper if you're going to come out for the ball. If you, if you make that judgment, you've got to get it. You've, you've got, got to get it. Yeah. yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. And yeah. if you don't and feel he... confident, then you stay on your line. Well, exactly. Yeah. And he knocked Dyer over. So there was absolutely no defence there. That ball was going in. It, it, you could see it was happening even before it happened. You just knew it. The minute he came off his line. Yeah, I, I, I think. And also, the goalkeeper, when you do make a decision, you've got to let your centre-half know you're making that decision. So you've got to put yeah. a on it. Dyer's a young man. He's going to listen. You'd hope he'd listen to an experienced French captain of many years. So, yeah, Lloris, I think... And Lloris is, is, doesn't hide behind anyone. He, he'll he'll be uh, self-critical. He'll, he'll, know oh, that, yeah. he'll know that that wasn't good enough. You've got... I think sometimes after games like this, the best thing you do is you say, do you know what? We'll watch it on the coach back or something like that. And on Monday morning, we forget about it. It's gone. Because it's so... Three of the goals are so ludicrously bad. It's, it's like you you can't really do anything positive to stop that happening. It just should not happen. Just a, just a, a little point um, that I'll ask you fellas, because I haven't seen it, and obviously Nicky. Um, 
The concern for me. Nah, oh, no way. <laughs> no, you've spoiled the answer to the sexiest girl on the on the ah. podcast. I say that's my answer. <laughs> um, but to, the other thing that concerned me again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. But I did actually catch a glimpse on the telly that at half time, I think it was fifty eight percent possession we'd got, which let's face it, is eight percent one way or the other. But again, we haven't scored. I don't know whether we missed chances or we didn't didn't create anything. But that again suggests to me that you know we're not oh. we're not looking particularly creative going oh, forward. Oh. First off, we was pretty abject. We hit the bar from a deflected header, didn't we? I think. Yeah. No, but, no, no, oh, no. The keeper saved it. The keeper saved it, didn't he? Yeah, the, the keeper got his fingers on it. But, but Jinxie, just to answer what you were asking, it's, it's like I've been saying the entire season, and this isn't every game we've played, but it's the majority of the games that we've played. We are slow. We are predictable. Yeah. We are slow in the counter-attack. There's no spark. We give the opposition a chance to regroup. It's like that all the time. And today was no different. When, you know, the minute um, Luis comes out, he, he kicks the ball, he throws the ball, whatever, the guys take their time as if they're on a Sunday stroll. It is so frustrating. And I'm screaming at the TV, faster, move, run, you know, come on, catch them on the break. And there's absolutely nothing happening. It is so frustrating. So frustrating. Oh, yeah, yeah I must have I've said that a few times. I think we're very pedestrian, to be honest, going forward. It's, it's, There's no spark. I don't know what snap. it is, and that's and that's why we we didn't we didn't get any chances because we're that predictable. Everybody they they were rallying around Kane because they know that the chance that we have is obviously Kane, and so they were rallying around him, and he wasn't getting any opportunities. Ericsson can take a leaf out of Mason's book because as much as Mason is tired and and yeah he gives wayward passes and all the rest of it. He could win us so many of the balls if he got stuck in. But he's such a bloody girl and such a waste of a talent, <laughs> honestly. He really is. And I know he is so... I mean, there was a move that he did. I think I think it was in the second half. That was just like, oh, my God, why can't we see more of that from Was that from when Eric? we put Kane... Is that through the left-hand channel? Yeah. Yeah, we put in a nice little one-two between Kane and Ericsson. That was, about, that was the highlight of the day, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, and he yeah. did that little spin. It was like, oh, my God, wow. But if he could just get stuck in, he just doesn't want to win the ball. And, and he's like, a, I've got feather dusters that are damn well more sturdy than he is. I'll tell you what, I mean, Ericsson's one of my favourite players. He's just the type no. of player I like watching. And when we signed him, I was chuffed to bits. And, you know, obviously we've seen bits and bobs of what he can do. So I'm not writing him off by any stretch of the imagination. No, but no, I, I watched um, I watched Brentford last night. And Did you I watch the game? Got, yeah, I know they got oh, beat. Cool. And I know Pritchard, um, he probably didn't have his best game. But I saw enough in Pritchard last night against, let's face it, a side in Middlesbrough that could well end up coming up anyway. So you could argue they've got the basis of premiership players. But I saw enough of Pritchard last night to think that he could be a direct threat to, yeah. to Ericsson's place, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, you, you start I'm my, hoping that's the plan. I'm yeah, me too. Still my thunder guy, because I was going to say exactly the same thing. Um, Ericsson could do with a bit of competition. Now, yeah. Um, Pritchard, from what I've seen of Pritchard, he looks like an Ericsson-type player. Yeah. The only thing that, obviously, we don't know is he's, he's done it at championship level with Brentford. Yeah, exactly. But can he do it at the highest level? Well, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think um, I think he's well worth a look. He was doing yeah. things last night with the ball that reminded me of a very good Ericsson. You know, little little quick turns, quick feet, opening people up a little bit. Didn't have the best game in the world, but he never stopped looking for the ball. He never oh. stopped trying to create things. 
my next door neighbour is a Brentford season ticket holder and he has been waxing lyrical about Pritchard all season and he said he will be superb for us next year. He said he, because um, I know there's talk that maybe he'd get another year with Brentford and he said there's no chance he'll be in the Premier League next year. Yeah, well, I think he should be as well. I think, you know, let's face it, he's, I don't know how old he is, what, 21? Twenty no, he's twenty two now. He's twenty two because he's well, he's a, he's a, another one that's a little bit of a late flourisher, probably because of the size of him, because he's not a big guy. No, no. But then twenty two, you know, in, in 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 the terms of breaking into the Premiership, that's not I, really young no, anymore. No, no, it's if, fine. if he's going to do it, he's going to be doing it now, really. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's not young, but it's it, age is a number. I want, like look at Mason. Mason's twenty four. Yeah, exactly. And so then, I don't. You spin it round. Look at Rooney. Rooney was scoring against David Seaman when he was sixteen. So if you, yeah, it doesn't matter. You, if you saw Rooney when he was 16, he was like a man already. Yeah, he, exactly. he was. He was so. I he went to a uh, FA Youth Cup semi-final Everton against Spurs at White Hart Lane, and we absolutely played Everton off the park. We lost three-one. Rooney scored a 30-yarder and scored another one, and was he was head and shoulders above everyone. Yeah. He was unbelievable, and then I think he scored against Arsenal about three months after that. So yeah, he did do yeah. I know, and again, I know he's an exception. Of course, he is. But you know, uh, he is an it, exception. It proves he can be it. done. And of course, at, he can. At yeah. twenty-two, at six years older than Rooney. Yeah, was, yeah. Then you know, Pritchard. I think it won't be an age thing if he doesn't play. I think. No, no, um, no. no I it'll think be a judgment re- call. Yeah, yeah. I think the age is an irrelevance. You're right. Yeah. I agree with that definitely. Yeah. Just, just a word on this season. So I, I read somewhere that um, after today's match, to, to, today's defeat, we've had. This, as many losses this season as well. The last time we've, we, we've had as, as many losses we've had this season was in 08-09 um, when Harry took over and we... 12. We t- yeah, 12. And, we, and, we, and he took us from what bottom of the table to, to eighth that season. Now Yeah, he told us that a few times. As well, yeah, we, had, we? we only had two <laughs> after eight games, didn't we? <laughs> but, you know, if you contrast that season with this season, if you look at it on the face of it, obviously, you know, it hasn't been a bad season. We're sixth in the table. We got to a cup final, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, to have that many defeats in the season is pretty poor. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think Potch has got a lot of work to do in the summer in terms of getting rid of, rid of the deadwood that we've talked about and buying a few players. I think Jess in, in the group... Um, I know, Guy, you've, you've written, obviously, a few articles for this, for the, the web page, but, Jess, you mentioned recently about numbers, the number of players you thought we would need in the summer. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I still believe five is the figure that I'm looking at, and that, that is going to be... Let me think about it, because it does change from a day-to-day <laughs> yeah, day like basis. But, okay, I tell, but, but I, which positions... Right, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what we definitely need. We definitely need a proven centre-half. We definitely need a proven central midfielder to play alongside either Bentaleb or Mason. We definitely are going to need to replace Adebayor and Soldado in my mind, but although I'm reading from Pochettino, he, he wants to give Soldado more time. But I think those replacements will not be direct strikers they will be like the sort of players where you get that can play as wing forwards yeah yeah so they'll be people like that yeah yeah play on Marcus Depe and play you know something like that or Memphis sorry Memphis Depe Mm. but what we've also got remember we've got Ali Deli coming into the squad and we've got Pritchard coming into the squad yeah Uh, potentially Thomas Carroll coming into the squad I I personally don't think Thomas Carroll will come into the squad neither do I but but potentially it's there so 
That's about four. Most, I make it. Yeah, no, I, I think five because you could also possibly if you if you say um, Kabul and Chiriches are going to go. I think full back we've got Yedlin and Walker. That's okay. I think at, at left back you've got Davis and Rose. Obviously Davis. He had, there's a quite a bit of improvement in there. Uh, the holding midfield or the the central midfield role you've been to them. We've only really got. I mean, Stambouli has he been good enough? I'm, I'm, he looks like he's running up to me all the time. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I would say four stroke five. We've also got. Did we sign him or not? The Austrian lad, Kevin Wimmer. It's Wimmer. gone quiet. It's gone quiet, but I think that's possibly agreed. And I, I was talking to a couple of guys at the City game. Um, they reckon that uh, Flavio, Flavio Fovan from Marseille. Apparently, that's pretty much done as well. And he is like a wing forward, like a Griezmann style player. Because I mean, you look at Griezmann. Griezmann was a winger for. Um, was it? Who did he play for in France before he went to Atletico? I wouldn't know. No idea. Don't know. Some French team. Yeah, some French team in France. But he uh, <laughs> he he played like a as an out and out winger for his French team. Yeah, he's gone to Atletico and they've turned him into like a well uh, similar to Messi, just coming in off off of either of the front two or three, and he's been a revelation in that role. So I don't know. Favan, he, he, he's got loads of skill, bit of attitude apparently. So mm. don't know. We'll see. But I think. I like what Poch is saying. We've got to get it done early. The, the, the targets have been agreed. We've got money there. I think the more the more difficult part of the process is convincing someone to employ Adebayor and uh, Kabul and Chiriches. That yeah. that could possibly be a little bit trickier. I think that's yeah. a key. I think that's bang on. And I think it depends on whether our mate Daniel is prepared to take you know what size, but he's going to take a loss on him anyway. Oh, but I don't think that's an that issue. Big. I don't think that's an issue because this has to work for 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 Levy as much as any of us. This has that's to work. True. If Pochettino yeah. doesn't work, he, his position, whether he still has a fun, uh, financial investment in the club or not, is irrelevant. His position as chairman will become untenable if this doesn't work. So that's a good point. I must admit, I think next season is a massive. I mean, it used to, you could put, you could argue you could say this every year, but I think it's a massive season next year for the club in general. I mean, you've got the stadium now, which is obviously being developed, so that's imminent. I, I say imminent in the terms yeah, of the year. It's, it's, so it's, it's happening. It's moving exactly. Yeah. So that is going to need to be paid for at some point now. And I'm sure that they've. Don't get me wrong; they're not daft. They've had plans in place for quite some time. Of course they have. But at risk of sounding controversial and offending people, because I know Pochettino, everybody, you know, we're all behind him, and I certainly am behind him. But if you really, really strip it back to the bare bones, I haven't seen any real improvement in Tottenham this season from last season. Now I agree totally, and I've been a firm advocate of it. The fact that he's needed time to bed in, to settle in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he's had his 12 months now. He's got the summer now to get the players he wants in, subject to obviously being backed by the chairman, which we hope, as Jesse says, I agree with you totally there, Jess. I think he will back him, obviously within reason, financially, etc. But I think Pochettino knows the budget constraints. I don't think he's going to start asking him for 50, 60 million pounds centre-forwards. So I would argue that next season he's going to be a massive, massive season because much as I'm behind Pochettino and I don't see the sense in getting shot of him and it would never even cross my mind, I think we've got to see a marked improvement next season. I agree that it's not been a bad season in terms of we got to the cup final, etc. But in terms of overall performance, which in fairness might be clouded, my judgment might be clouded a little bit since the, you know, since the Champions League spot fell away from us, let's say five, six games back, the performances have dipped and that might mm. be what's clouding my judgment. No, but overall... Two, not, two points in the last five games, I think. Which, which is appalling. But let's which not forget that 
you know, as far back as last September, October, November time, there were certain performances that we were all gritting our teeth about. Yeah. And, I, you know, much as, I, much as I, I am behind Pochettino, he says the right things. I think the bloke's passionate. I think he's the right man for the job as it stands. But I really do think that next year, which, I mean, I'm not saying anything that nobody hasn't thought already. I'm sure of it. But I do think next year, subject to getting his own players in, we've got to see, you know, a substantial improvement. Not necessarily break into the top four. Because, but can I, mean, I ask... That, that, yeah, go on. Sorry. Sorry, I want to ask you because I mean, I mean, you've 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 managed teams and everything, guys. So so answer this question because you know so we I? had this discussion on the. Oh, have you, Jess? Yeah. Sorry. And I um, also used to coach at Southampton School of Excellence as well. Oh, in, nice one. Mid nineties. So. Oh, well done. Sorry, I didn't know. So no offense, but my point is, okay, what's this whole thing about? Okay, he doesn't have his own players. Surely the mark of a good manager is you make do with what you've got, with what you're given. Because I don't know if he's going to do that much better with getting his own players in or, or his own team. Are we going to see such a marked improvement next season? Are we? Or are we only really going to see the fruit of his labours in the following season if he's kept for that long? For, hmm. Well, just quickly, you I, my take on that, well, and obviously, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't possibly guarantee that it, trans, it transfers itself into professional football. I've only ever coached at a very amateur level and kids level, of course. But I'll be honest with you, there were certain players I've coached over the years, and if they had a shitty, stinky game on a Saturday, I'd still probably be subconsciously ready to play them the following week because I trusted them and I knew what they could do. Then there were other players who. For whatever reason, I'd got it in my head that he wasn't quite the answer. And he could have a storming game for me on a Saturday, but I'd probably still leave him out the following Saturday if I'd got a full team to pick from. And I think, I don't know whether it's psychological, whether it's calculated, whether it's premeditated, I don't know. But I think you can get a mindset over certain players. And I think, for example, if Pochettino got, let's say for the sake of arguing, Schneiderling in, who he clearly rates, he clearly loved him last year, it's what they, it's what you'd call a Pochettino player because we know he's got the best out of him before, okay. and he might well get the nod over for the sake of arguing Bentaleb, who let's face it, Bentaleb has had I think a good season, yeah. and would be would be I think would be pissed off if he didn't get a game next year. Now I'm not saying that's going to be the scenario. It's just a theory I'm throwing at you to answer Nicky's question. I think managers get they get you know they get a mindset on certain players. It's like, for example, you could argue Kapue has clearly done something in training or whatever, and Pochettino's written him off. You mm. could say the same about um, Kabul. Now, it's not rocket science, because I mean, I'd written Kabul off within a week of seeing him play yeah. two or three games at the start of the season. But the point I'm trying to make is, I think managers will get a mindset on certain players, and they will also get certain players they can trust. And it probably works the other way as well. From a playing perspective, I've played for, for managers who, I'll be honest with you, I've thought, well, he's a, this bloke's a twat. But <laughs> the following week, oh, we've all done it, haven't we, Jesse? Every all, manager yeah. I've played for. But, but but it's only when you retire, think, actually, maybe he had a point. <laughs> oh, absolutely, bang on. But, uh, there was a time when, uh, you know, a, a manager could come up to me. I mean, I class myself as an intelligent bloke, but I'd fall for all the old tricks in the book. I'm warming up, and the bloke comes up, puts his arm around me, and says, Listen, you're the best player on the pitch here. Go out and show me. I'm not going to go out there 10 feet tall. Yeah. And then there's other managers who would say something to me like, I don't know, go and do this, that. And I'd think, what the... F you know what I mean? You don't know what you're talking about, man. And you just... You subconsciously don't give quite the same effort that you would for the bloke who's put his arm around you. 
And I think that mm. premise transfers itself to every level of football, in okay, my but, opinion. You will get players who will give something different. But for a different before, I, before I bring in Jeff, just to follow up from your point, Guy, and to answer Nicky's um, question. So I think, Guy, you're absolutely right um, that sometimes um, football managers, and, and it's true of life sometimes, you, you, you go into a situation with a preconceived idea maybe of somebody and, and, and there are some people that you trust that, that you think that they can do a particular job for you. I think that's that's very true. But I think with Poch, to be fair to Poch, I think he's looked at all our players and he's given everybody a chance. And he's, over a period of time, he's formulated an idea in his mind of which players he can trust. So if you look at the beginning of the se- season, he started with Addy, he started with Kapue um, and Kabul. He said, right, you know, you're, you're the skipper, go out there, go and play for me. And they didn't do what he wanted them to do and it, and it became apparent that they weren't part of his plans and he's now entrusted certain other players w- with that responsibility um, so I think where it the, the whole bringing in his own players I think obviously um, any new manager when, when they take over a club they want to bring in their own players or, or put their own mark mark on, on, on the club Um and yes, it's true they've got to work with what they've got at their disposal, and, and a good manager can bring the best out of, or a good coach, I should say, could, could, can bring the best out of all of that. But I think to, to, to be fair to Poch, I think he's he's had a long season and he's sort of made a, a fair assessment with the players that we've got, which ones are right and which ones aren't. So it's just, I, 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 I think it's just a that. question in the summer of him maybe adding a few more, replacing the Deadwood, re- replacing those players that he doesn't trust or, or that don't want to or for whatever reason don't want to play his style of football uh, that, that's the way I see it um, Jess you were going to yeah um, t- well I'd, I'd flip it I'd flip. I'd just flip the question to possibly give it another angle so possibly to make, make it a little bit easier to understand footballers have their own ideas about how the game should be played and how they see themselves and what sort of footballers they think they are. So so when you've got a manager comes up and you says, right, I want you to do this, I want you to do that, I want you to do this. And you're thinking, well, no, I'm, I'm, I need a good boss, but I'm not very good at that. Now, what I think I should be doing is this and that and the other. So very quickly, you'll get an idea of players that buy into your system, players that don't buy into your system, and also, you have, you'll have a relationship with certain players. I mean, I remember when I was managing the Sunday League side, for instance, we had a guy who played in midfield who was extremely quick, extremely mobile, a decent footballer, and all the lads wanted me to play him in, in up front. And I said, well, yeah, but you play him up front. We're going to take a lot of that physicality out of the mid- midfield. And I'll have arguments with seven or eight of the guys. I was always be up of a rule. And I, I still don't know to this day whether I was right or wrong, but I would not back down for it. I said no I want him in the middle of the pitch and we had other guys that scored goals as well so it wasn't uh, as simple as just thinking that that guy could play in a different position so you have to have players that believe in what the manager is trying to do which is why you'll get certain players flourish under certain managers certain players just don't get on George, George Graham and David Ginola being a classic relationship in point even Gerard Houllier when he was the French manager with, with Ginola um, so when you say you're getting his own players, it'd be players that you'll sign that they'll they'll watch that they'll they'll speak to as well, 
and they'll get an idea of what their expectations of their roles are and whether they can fit into what the manager's philosophy is. Yeah, I think that's, I'd, I'd agree with that, Jesse. And I think a point in case there, I think, was it, it might have been you who said it, Jesse. I don't know. Somebody said it on Facebook this week and I agreed with them. Um, I don't think there'll be any massive signings this season. I think they'll be they'll be steady, you know. Oh, average no, I don't know. Season. I don't know. I th- I think there could be a couple of surprising. I like. I hope so, but I think he'll go mm. for younger players, and I think he'll adopt yeah, the same process that yeah. he's uh, apparently Danny Danny Rose has been quoted this week in the media as saying that Pochettino put his arm around him and said, "Listen, stick with me, and I'll get you playing for England." Um, yeah, and I've got a feeling that that will be the uh, that will be the sort of. Um, the approach you'll give to these young players. Well, I say these. The good. That's the, the approach you'll give to any mm. young targets that he goes to speak to. You know, come here. I'll improve you. I'll get you to be a better player. No, I think he'll be a mix. I don't. It, I think it will. Will we will sign younger players with potential. Big and also, I think a big point in case is that the the way Pochettino wants to play is a very energetic and athletic style. So older players may not necessarily be a, a good acquisitions however you can't buy experience well you can buy experience it just costs a lot of money mm. so I, I think it'll be a mix I, I think it, say say we bought Schneiderlin for instance that'd be a big signing if you ask me oh, I think he's the, I, I'd love to see him I think he's the one we need to be fair I, I, I don't think there'll be any marquee signings I don't think there'll be a, yeah that, yeah that, that's perhaps what I meant to say uh, sorry Javid we'll yeah, yeah. but, 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 yeah. but you're right Schneiderlin's probably um What's the word I'm looking for? He, he's he's established established himself on the Premiership stage. Um, he's a big signing, um, and he's the sort of player we're looking for. He's not. I mean, knows yeah. Poch as well, doesn't he? Um, but he's not yeah. the I don't know 26 million Soldado coming from Spain with a reputation, or, or Lamella 30 million with lots of potential, no. um, and that's fine. Um, I think we need players that can fit into Poch's plans. We don't uh, need a big massive signing just to appease the fans no no you don't but you do need you i think one thing we do need is to improve our quality mm. i don't think there's any point in going to buy squad players i think no no now, no, now players now players may end up not being first choice regulars and that's fine because that's that's the way it should be you should have competition for places but just just going on the on um i've forgotten where i was oh Right, anyway, back to yeah, Schneiden. Back to Schneiden. He he may have he may have to cost twenty five million. To be honest, I don't think we'll get him cheaply. No. Now we we may have to trade off players and that. And I've seen there's been suggestions that Townsend could possibly go the other way, and maybe we'll be make other make weights. But um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, marquee Mark signings. Do you know what? For me, I just think that. There's so many phrases that have come into football over the last, I don't know, even five, six years. Marquee signings. I mean, what does that mean? You know, for me, a good signing is a good signing. Whether we've heard of him or not, is irrelevant. I mean, you look at Eric Dyer, for instance. I know we're playing him at right back, but he, he, no, he's not a marquee signing. But however, he looks like at 21, he's got a good head. He's got good mobility. He's strong in a tackle. He's good in the air. He doesn't want to play right back. But yet he's still playing reasonably well. Okay, he had a couple of mishaps today. So that's, that's another good signing. So you know, marquee signings. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean by marquee signings. Say if we, I don't know, to, say we signed Van Persie or something like that. United wanted to get rid of or, or Falcao. That would be a marquee signing, but not necessarily a good yeah. signing. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. 
Exactly. Okay. Okay. Thanks, so guys. in the second half of the podcast, we'll, we'll we'll be looking at some questions. Um, now it's time for our regular feature, the forward line. This is the forward line on the Tottenham Hotspur family podcast with me, Elliot Line, looking forward to the game against Hull City on May sixteenth. In our history, we have played Hull only nine times, and our first meeting back in two thousand and eight was the one and only win for Hull. We have won six of those nine games, although one of them was via a penalty shootout. Our most recent meeting in November saw us fall behind to a Livermore goal, before a red card for Ramirez, an equaliser from Harry Kane and a late winner from Eric Sen. Our best win came in 2009, when we beat them 5-1 through Palacios, Robbie Kean and a Defoe hat-trick. In my most optimistic forecast yet, I rate the likelihood of us scoring as a huge 80% and of scoring more than once as 41% and of keeping a clean sheet as a nice 63%. The most likely scoreline is a 1-0 Spurs win, followed by a 2-0 Spurs win, a 1-1 draw and a 0-0 draw. Overall I have 62% for a Spurs win. 25% for a draw and 13% for a Hull City win. Currently the best odds for a Spurs win can be found at Paddy Power who are offering 8-13. to 13. This has been the forward line, with Elliot Line. Come on you Spurs. Welcome back, um, thank you Elliot for that. Um, if, in case anyone was wondering, um, Elliot... Um, wasn't didn't get the time to sit down with a microphone um to, to record the the forward line so he used a text-to-speech converter which is why um he didn't sound like he normally does um sounded a bit ro- a bit robotic um right so a bit like stephen hawkins a bit like yeah <laughs> ned from south park if anybody watched that um okay so just quickly predictions um for the whole city game if i start with you nikki Oh, God. You see, I'm the wrong person to ask right now because I'm so pissed. It just... <laughs> this, Put down it, a glass of wine and... <laughs> I know what you mean. Things. I know what you mean. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I actually... I, I just don't know because every week I am so faithful and I say that we are going to beat them. So, you know what? Just to prove me wrong... I'm going to say that they're going to beat us 3-0 next week. And let's hope the boys can prove okay. me wrong. Jess? Um, I'm going to go 3-1 because I can't be at the game next week. So I'm going to miss the last. My, my season's effectively over. Uh, my son's playing at Chelsea's training ground next Saturday in the under-sixes Chelsea's football festival. Oh, don't worry, not for Chelsea, so don't panic. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think we always tend to finish our home season off well at, at White Hart Lane. So, 3-1 and maybe even a couple of goals for Kane just to wrap it all up. All right. Guy? Wow. Um, I'm actually abroad next week, so I won't be there either. But uh, it's a funny one, isn't it, really? I'm going to give it... I'm gonna, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because after the Villa game when it was atrocious we did actually come back with a performance so hopefully the same thing will happen this week and he'll get after him after this one today and last home game of the season I know Hull will probably be battling for the lives but I'm going to say oh yeah 3-1 sounds good I'm going to have 3-1 I'll go 3-1 with Jess and I'm going to go for 1-0 to Hull Um, 
Tom Huddleston. Well, don't surprise Tom, me. Well, Tom surprise me. What's your mouth? Tom Huddleston's going to score a beautiful goal. He's, he's going to hit it on the half fully, crisp shot. It's going to beat Lloris, hit the underside of the bar, and yeah, it's going to be goal of the season. And Hull are going to stay up, and <laughs> we'll be on here a week from now moaning about how poor we are and all of that sort of thing. Right, questions. <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just move on to the questions. Right, so this is a, a regular um, question that I've asked the last couple of weeks. Um, the uh, people have appeared on the pod, and, and I, I asked Nikki this last week, so um, I'll go to Jess and Guy. Um, how did you, Andrew Pelling asked, how did you get bitten by the Tottenham bug? Jess, um, you go on. Well, my two uncles... Um, my family's from Enfield um, back in a, in a day in the sort of mid seventies, and my two uncles were regular visitors uh, going to Wild Lane, and, and I'd be standing at my nan's, and uh, I'd just sort of like, well, you know, my uncles are my heroes, and so what they're doing, and I used to go and watch them playing football on a Sunday morning, and then one weekend, uh, my uncle Henry Sabini, God bless him, took me to Spurs v Manchester City. It was 1979. It was our first season back up in the first division. And we got thumped 3-0. I cried my eyes out. But I've loved it. I've loved it ever since. And uh, Kind of set the tone. That result kind of set the tone for the rest well, of the Well, yeah, but we won, we won a couple of <laughs> FA Cups shortly after that. And then uh, UEFA <laughs> Cup not, not too far after that. So, um, Great. yeah, I just yeah, all, always loved it. But... The actual, <laughs> and uh, this this is the cut my friends know, but my my stepdad was a massive West Ham fan, so my uncles used to take me to Spurs. My stepdad used to take me to West Ham. So it could have gone wrong. It could have gone even worse. <laughs> what, what a choice I had. But yeah, no. I, I Where did he used to park his house? Your stepdad. <laughs> yeah, good point. No, he's nowhere from. Boreham, near Boreham Wood, they were originally. But, but you know what? Actually, that West Ham side talking about it, they had Devonshire, Brooking, Swindlehurst. So, I mean, we had Hoddle, Ardiles. We we had. So it was, it was a brilliant education as a youngster to watch those sort of players. Mm. And it'd be it'd be lovely to. I don't think we'll ever see another Hoddle or anything like that again. Yeah. But, it, but it was great. But yeah, Tottenham. Yeah, from from the day I watched them, it's just always one. Of, it's one of them. A bit, you know, a bit. Of, who else has got kids? Guy, you've got, you've got older boys. Two boys, two yeah. boys, twenty-three, fifteen. Yeah. Oh, my, you know, Joe's only six. He absolutely loves it, and I feel sorry for him because I might have basically set him up for a life of misery. I, at least I've got a little bit of glory early on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so negative. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> purely sarcastic, Nikki. <laughs> and you, guy? Well. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, I'll come clean straight away because I usually tell people the romantic version, and that is that my granddad. Although I'm a Brummie, but I'm a Brummie straight away from Brummie. Oh yeah. Yeah, born and bred <laughs> in Birmingham. Yeah. I'm um, never a guest. <laughs> but no, my granddad, who I actually never met in all fairness, my granddad. Well, I did, but I can't remember. He was dead when I was about two. But he was in London. He was a Tottenham fan. And if anybody asks, I usually tell them that my dad, my granddad, got me into it. But if I tell you the absolute truth. I was brought up on a street um, where we were all boys. We were very, very lucky. There were no lads, uh, no girls, rather. It was all boys, all playing football when we were sort of five, six years onwards. And in a nutshell, my best mate, who I used to idolise, he decided one day he was a Leeds fan. This is like 72, 70, 71, 72, when Leeds were a good side. Oh, yeah, he was yeah. going to be a Leeds fan. So I, I said, oh, I'll be a Leeds fan too. 
And then the following day was a Man U fan. So I thought, oh, I'll be a Man U fan too. And at one point, we both had Chelsea hats, believe it or not. We were Chelsea fans. This was all over the course of about two weeks. And then he changed to Spurs. So I changed to Spurs. And then literally he changed to Everton. And I, as God is my witness, I know it's a million years back, but I actually remember thinking, you know, sod this, I'm just going to stay with Spurs now. And that was that was as daft as that. <laughs> and my dad, I mean, my dad was never into football. He was a massive Speedway fan, massive Speedway fan. But I ended up catching him to take me to um, my first ever game. I can't remember what year it was. It would have been certainly early 70s. And it was at St Andrews. And I've got a feeling John Duncan played. And oh, the yeah. only my, my overwhelming memory was all this, because we were in the Birmingham neutral, sort of Birmingham-ish, neutral-ish along the side. And the only thing I can remember from the game was at half-time, there was a marching band on the pitch and Spurs fans invaded the pitch and everybody was fighting amongst the band and the band never missed a beat. But <laughs> that, I, think, I, I know we got beat. I know we, I'm sure we got beat three-something, but um, that was the first game. Well, actually, it wasn't the first game I went to because my next-door neighbour taught me to see George Best at Coventry, but I don't Ooh, remember anything about great that. Stuff. Um, so yeah, it was. It's not a particularly romantic version, but I just that was it. I was Spurs, and obviously the more you go and the more you get into it, you can never change your team after that. No, absolutely. I remember. You, I remember you telling me that at the Family Lamb get together in in March <laughs> for the Leicester game. I remember you telling me that with your with your mate who kept changing who he yeah. was supporting. You decided to sod it. I'm sticking with Spurs. <laughs> the just thing is, he, to this day, he stayed Everton. I mean, he lives oh, in really? Jersey now. He's done very, very well for himself and he doesn't get too many football matches, but um, he's stuck with Everton. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, my, he, he's done a bit. He's watched them all over the place. Yeah, my my Paul, he um, his dad is a West Ham uh, supporter and, and Paul was always involved with football and played and, and all the rest of it. And um, he remembers he saw Glenn Hoddle play, who is his all-time favourite player. Oh and uh, and he just I know, <laughs> and he just he watched him play, and he just said, "Well, that's it. I'm a Spurs supporter from now on." And everything that he did, he tried to emulate what Glenn Hoddle did because that's just, exactly the same as me. So much. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. We had. I used to have my hair cut the same, and everything. I used to play football. I used to try and play the same way as he did. In fact, I take this is pathetic, really. But I don't know if any, you probably noticed when Hoddle used to jog. He used to, for some reason, he'd drag his toe against the yeah, ground when he yeah. jogged. And I yeah. used to do that as well. I used to drag do his, that as well. Drag his left toe. Yeah, I used to do it exactly <laughs> the same. And my dad, who bless him, used to clean my boots for me. He used to say to me, why is the toe of your boot always filthy? Yeah. But yeah, I used to do everything. Yeah, my shirt was hanging out, my shorts, the lot. Uh, the only uh, thing I lacked was the talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think there's been many players that have played at the top of the game that had uh, Hodd's talent. Ideally, though, is my all-time favourite player. But I'd say going back to the sort of players that you used to try and be or replicate on kicking about when you was a kid, Tony Galvin was my sort of hero because I played on the wing. So I'd always play with my socks rolled down. My shins are in absolute pieces. And I, I really wish he'd have worn bloody shin pads. Great play. Great days. I mean, they were the days when I, I first started going regularly in uh, 82. I'd been in a few games in 81 on me. Well, we mate. Great, I started going regularly, and as I say, I couldn't have wished for a better sort of you know first three or four seasons of going regularly. Like you said, Jesse won FA Cup a couple of times, got the League Cup final. Yeah, UEFA Cup. The, the Archibald. The, oh, yeah, the, the eighty-four. Should have made it two 0 in, oh, in no, the eighty-two know, League Cup final, and then they as a good Liverpool side as well. 
too fit for us, weren't they? Just burnt us away. Well, I, we should have won the game, yeah. But you look at the amount of games we played that season. We got to the semi-finals of the Cup Winners' Cup, where Barcelona kicked us off the pitch, which is yeah. incredible to think that Barcelona were like this cynical, brutal side. And you yeah, when you watch them, watch them now, and they're just oh well. I've always had a soft spot for Barca since when Archibald went there in '84, and my cat's named Archibald as well. I, mean, I just I love watching Barca, and it's nil-nil at half time against Sociedad. But um, you that side, oh my god, is it the beast of Bill? Uh, was it Nadal that absolutely levered yeah. up? Hodler a cut head, we got battered. And yeah, definitely. Clem, Clem dropped one in his own net, and we lost one nil on aggregate. I think over the two legs. Yeah, it was right. We, we did the same in Madrid. I don't know whether it was two or three oh, years later. Exactly yeah, the same thing. Bastard in the White Hart Lane. They kicked the shit out of us, and then they scored a break. Own oh, goal. Come on, well, Perryman well, an own goal, wasn't it? Out in the Bernabeu, Mark Falco scored a perfectly good goal, and yeah. between the ref and the linesman, they managed to contrive a reason as to why. It, yeah. uh, and that was our only loss in Europe at that time at home. That's right. That, that defeat 1-0, Steve Perriman own goal. A lot of yeah. games in one season sounds very much like this season. but Well, we've played 54, more than mm. any other Premier yeah. League side. OK, so moving along, um, this is a bit of a loaded question but from, from Russell Pereira, but actually I suspect the answer might, might not be as long. Um, he asks, I don't know if it's been covered before, but what constitutes a real fan? Is age a factor, length of oh, service, dear. so to speak? Is it dependent on how many games you attend or whether you're a member? Do people agree there are different levels of fans? If so, would season ticket holders be top of the chain? It goes on. Um, if that's so, then why do our overseas fans um, fit? Uh, where, where do they fit in on the scale? On the flip side, um, does there have to be any criteria at all? Is if the answer is no, and you feel there should be no mould, then how do you judge what a plastic fan is? Uh, pla- plastic fan is sorry. Um, I don't think it really. I think we probably all say the same thing, and and I don't think it really matters to be honest, because some people go to lots of games um, or say they do um but they might not be particularly knowledgeable some don't for whatever reason it might be because they're the other side of the world or they um have other commitments by surprise they've got a life um or they can't afford it or whatever it may be um but you still follow tottenham because it's you know it's a club that you support it's it's your team and at the end of the day nobody has a, a monopoly on being um more of a fan one person to, to the next you might get so-called fair weather fans that aren't really maybe interested in football or flirt with one team one moment and then support another the next but most Tottenham fans um have a passion for for, for, for the club and and just because one happens to, to go to a lot of games and, and one can't for whatever reason doesn't make him any more or less of a fan no I agree with that um I've always you know, the, I've always, I think right in the beginning when we started with the podcast, we had this a similar sort of question. And I, and I said, for me, there's a huge difference between the word supporter and the word fan. Because a fan for me just strikes me as a fair weather plastic person where, you know, oh, okay, we, we can't. And I know a few of those here in South Africa where, oh, we support Chelsea. Oh, we support Man United. And they have no idea about them. They don't follow their history. They have no clue who's playing. They don't even watch the games. It's just like, oh, I follow them because they do well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to rub your nose in it when, when Chelsea beat Tottenham or when Man United beat Tottenham or Arsenal beat Tottenham. For me, a supporter is somebody who you don't need to be there. You don't need to go and watch every game. You don't need to be at 
the grounds, etc. Because for us overseas supporters, it's obviously really, really difficult. But you follow them with a passion. And yes, you're absolutely gutted when they lose. You're angry, you're pissed off because it's like they've done this to you. You know, why didn't you try better? But you wake up the next morning and you think, well, okay, tomorrow is the next day, tomorrow is another day, next game's another game, and we're going to try our best there. So whatever happens, you support them through the good times and the bad times, no matter what. If you at any stage decide, that's it, I am not supporting Tottenham anymore, then you're a fair weather plastic fan, and guess what? Fuck you and fuck off. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes, I've been having one. Ch- Chaps, do you want to add anything quickly to that? Well, well all I'd say is, is that, yeah, I've, I think Nikki's, Nikki's got it, hasn't she? She's nailed it there. But um, look, all four of us here, we've got a different dynamic. All four of us, I mean, I'm a season ticket holder. I've been a season ticket holder for this is my 20th season next season. However, before that, I used to play football Saturdays, so I couldn't go. And I used to have to work Saturdays. Before that, so I couldn't go. Now I'm in a position where I'm lucky. I don't have to work Saturdays. My wife's very understanding and actually wants me to go to football for some reason. Although the milkman stopped delivering milk now, so I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. But um, yeah, our, our, our circumstances are totally different. Nikki lives the other side of the world. Yeah, but I don't know where are you I, local. I, I, I live in London, but to be honest, I've only I've only started going to more games the last few seasons, and I've happened to go to. All of the all of the league home games this season, but again, that's been circumstances. Um, yeah, and that's what it is. I mean, I've got I've got fed up. I've had tickets back in at times in the mid nineties. I remember, you know, the last time we beat Man United at home three one. I got so pissed off with us. I went and played golf that day, and I let my mate who's come over who used to play with us on a Sunday. Then he hadn't been to a Premier League game, so I said, "Look, I have my season ticket. I, I'm, I've had enough of it." And we go and beat bloody Man United three one. Willem Corston, I think, had to retire after that game. I think I should have bloody retired. But, um, but yeah, all our, it, the passion is no different from whether you live in Jayburg, Birmingham. If you're a season ticket holder, if you get to the occasional game, everyone everyone would love to go to every game. I used to go to a lot more away games than I do. I had a child, so I couldn't afford it anymore. But I'm not. That doesn't make me any less of a fan. And, it, and being a season ticket holder doesn't make me any more of a fan than you guys. So... People, you get a lot of people that talk absolute bollocks about it and let them crack on. If you have to justify yourself as a fan, then I think you're you're, lo- you're, you're losing a losing battle already. I, I, I can add something to that, in my opinion, and it's a little bit I, I'm at risk of offending. I mean, this is the way I've been brought up, and to be truthful, it might be different for me because I come from the Midlands, and in the town I live in, which is a small town, there's a lot of mixed support of we've got Christ, we've got Leeds, Birmingham. Uh, Man U, Liverpool, and then a lot of these fellas are season ticket holders. And we've all kind of, I, I can't really say we've ever sat down and spoke about it, but it's kind of an unwritten rule between us. And I, I agree with what you've both said there. I don't think there's any different level in the different passion. You know, it, it, a defeat can ruin your weekend or you can get used to it and it might not ruin your weekend. It's, it's irrelevant. In I don't sense. let it anymore. No, I, I've stopped letting it, to be honest with you, Jesse. There were times when I'd be a fucking horrible nightmare bastard yeah. for about three three days if we got beat. Yeah. But, me too. I, I, don't, I don't bother with it anymore. But the one, the one unwritten law that we've got around here, and it do, it's not, it's not across the board. It's game by game, really. Um, and that is, if a fella's been to a game, one, you know, if a fella's been to that game, then 
I grip my... This is personal. I can only speak personally. I tend to grip my teeth if he starts telling me how he thinks it went. Because it's, it's kind of unwritten, as I say, that if someone's been to that particular game, they've kind of earned the right to, to tell you how they saw it went, how they think yeah. it went. Yeah, a... And if I haven't been to the game, then I don't feel as if I've got the nerve to stand and say, oh, bollocks, that's ridiculous. And it, it's kind of always been that way. But then you take it a stage further because what you do find is if you've been to a game, you'll give, it, you'll, 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 you'll give an unbiased opinion on what you've seen. It's like if I, if I was speaking to a Stoke fan today who's been to the game, if he's been the game, he's probably going to talk to me about how the game went and how they beat us. The only ones that piss me off, and it, come, it stems from where I live, and it's why I hate the villa, by the way, it's because there's an, there's an abut. I mean, I remember coming back just in a nutshell. I remember coming back in the early '80s from a game at Tottenham when the Villa had beat us two or three nil. We were shit, and I've come all the way back from Spurs. It's pissed it down with rain. I've walked into my local pub, and there's Villa shirts everywhere, taking the piss out of me. And I've had to turn around and walk out the pub because I'm thinking, you bunch of assholes, you haven't even been to the game, and you're giving it. And yet, the two or three lads who had been down to the game in the Villas, they, they'd stand and talk to the games. They talk about the game sensibly. Does that make any yeah. sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. like respect for somebody. Yeah. If somebody's travelled and made the effort to go to the game, then you they, you respect them and you'll talk about the game. And all this piss take, yeah, three nil, three nil, your shit. That doesn't happen to people who do go to the games. And that's that's the kind of the segregation between a true fan and a not such a true fan. And it's a it's a game by game thing for me, not across the board. No, I, I agree totally. I get the same thing at work. If Spurs are lost, I'll get a lot of stick. And I'll just say, well, what, go, what game have you guys been to this weekend? And you've got your man, you fans. Now, I work with a guy, really, really good friend of mine. He's from Newcastle, born and bred, and he doesn't get to the games anymore. But he is a proper Newcastle fan. So we give each other a bit of banter, but we accept it because, like I said, it comes back down to circumstances. He used to go back in the day. I still go now. I might not go in 20 years' time. I might be the same. I might be lucky enough to move <laughs> somewhere nice. like <laughs> Jayberg. No, no, man. No, not Jayberg. But. <laughs> but, you know, so, yeah, I totally agree with you, Guy. But, and, you know, we used to, our boss is a big Man United fan. His brother's actually a season ticket holder. And Dave goes now and again. And we used to, because what you're saying about people talking about a game that they haven't seen, there'd be a game on. And we'd go, yeah, this happened, that happened. We hadn't seen it. And we'd just be winding him up. And Dave would go. And he's our boss. He's most mild-mannered, <laughs> most mild-mannered, professional, real lovely guy. And he'd go, what the fuck are you two talking about? You couldn't have seen it. It weren't on the telly. And he'd just lose the plot. And we'd just go, yeah, we know Dave. And he'd go, oh, you bastards. You bastards. But, but guy, I think those people are probably being serious when they're talking about a game. Any erroneous comment winds me up anyway. So, Well, that's the other thing as well. Because like I say, I've said to people, you know, I mean, I've come back from games and we've bumped into, say, a Villa fan. And I, I won't I won't take the piss out of the bloke if he's been to the game, quite simply, because I know how irrationally painful it can be for me when Spurs have been beat. Yeah. And the fella, he, he doesn't deserve me taking the piss out of him if he's just spent 50 quid to, for a ticket and travelled 500 miles or whatever it is to go to a game. So I, I don't dish it out. I never dish it out to it's, people like that. I mean, I'll give it the gooners a little bit. but that's It's different. funny that, though, within, but, the context, within the context of a game, when you're in, when you're in the... Um... In the ground, um, fans give each other stick. But when you get on that train back to wherever you're going or whatever, you, you don't. There, there's almost um, that yeah, respect, respect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because we know we know what it's like to win. I mean, uh, just a couple of examples. Uh, where I live now in Staines, we've got a lot of Chelsea fans, we've got a lot of Arsenal fans, and we've got a lot of lot of Tottenham fans out here as well, and a lot of um, attending 
fans. So I've got mates that support Chelsea. And after the 5-3, my wife and my son were up in Oxford. I went and I said, look, whatever whatever happens to the game, I went out New Year's Eve. We'll go. We'll meet up for a beer. And sure enough, at midnight on New Year's Day, I was having a beer with two Chelsea fans that we'd just beaten 5-3. And, you know, we were giving give each other a hug and if it if we'd lost it would have been the same now exactly. where, it's, where it's a bit more difficult is with Arsenal because I've got Arsenal mates when it's been too painful to go and have a beer with them because it's too raw and I remember one instance a very good friend of mine Arsenal scene ticket holder he was having a Halloween party at his house and we'd lost 3-0 it was the first game at the Emirates and I think they got a penalty when Chimbonda tackled um made a superb tackle, made it 1-0, and then bloody Van Persie batted it over JJ's head to make it 3-0. And I was absolutely livid. And I sent Graham, his name's Graham, good guy, I sent him a text saying, Graham, I'm not coming to the party, mate, because I'm so pissed off. I know I'm not going to keep my powder dry. So, mate, we'll have a beer when when I've calmed down and probably when you can get back down from the ceiling. So, you know, that's... <laughs> that's exactly run high. the same. I've Passions done, all, I've done exactly the same. That's exactly how I've yeah. been, yeah. But, uh, guys, just just um, one thing I can say about today, credit to the fans. Mm, you could yeah. hear them yeah. singing. Yeah, yeah, you could. That away support well is fantastic. Our away support is always great. Everybody yeah. that went, yeah. seriously. I mean, I was so proud of them because even when we were 2 0 down, they were singing their hearts out. I'll tell you what, though, you see, you see where our supporters come from. I mean, like Graham, Graham Pitt went today, didn't he? Yeah. We- yeah. We've, we've got fans from all over the country that will go and form our away fans. Now, them guys can't get to White Lane every week. They're no lesser fans. Exactly. No. exactly. You know, it's great. And our supportership, yeah, you're right. You could hear them all the way through that game. We're losing 2-0. And Stoke isn't the best place yeah. on earth, let's face it. Mm-hmm. You know, none of you are from Stoke. No. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, it's a shit hole, I meant. It's, well, it's a bit famous for um, toilets. <laughs> Well, no pottery, so... It is a, it is a great is big it? fucking toilet. <laughs> okay, um, we've got lots of questions, but but only so much time. So I'm just going to finish off with, with two questions. So Zach Gaznola asks, um, so he says the, the um, general election has just finished in the UK, um, and the next yeah. one's going to be obviously five years from now. Where does the panel think Spurs will be the next time we vote in the general, general election, i.e. five years' time? Consider manager, stadium, league, position, trophy cabinet, Champions League, anything else? Very difficult. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, that's a... A, that's a tricky question. I mean, sorry, I'm, I'm obviously not British, but I mean, in five years from now, anything can change. We can, It changes from season to season for some for some teams. So, you know, you don't know if Pochettino is going to be there. You don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, we know what we'd like to have happen. But let's be re- realistic. You can only just... I don't know how anybody can look past the, the next season or the hopes no. for the next two seasons. I mean, I said on, on the podcast on Monday that I don't believe we'll even be in contention for top four this next season. I think we'll only be in contention in, in 2017 because I just think there's too much work to be done. Well, if you look at Poch, he was given a five-year contract last season. So if it follows through that Levy gave him a five-year contract, that's with a view that hopefully he's got a five-year plan and at the end of that five years or in this case it'd be six if you go go back from last year one would like to think that 
he's taken us to the promised land. <laughs> Whether he will or not is another matter, but that's what that's that's where I'd I like to be. I honestly believe, and again, I'll be I'll be shot down for being pessimistic here, but I honestly think that we'll be pretty much where we are now. And the reason I say that is because it doesn't matter how good Pochettino is and how great the signings he brings in, them top four above us are always going to get bigger than us at a bigger rate. Because ultimately, I know I understand what Jesse said on Facebook this week, and it was a good point, to be fair, about um, financial fair play. But they they will just bring in bigger players than we can afford to bring in. And that, that will be the top and bottom of it. And I don't think we'll have the investment to match them unless we get, obviously, a buyer. So I think we'll still be... I honestly still think that we'll still be battling to be the best of the rest and relying on one of those top four having a poor time of it for us to break into the top four. Um, you know, I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope he brings in a couple of superstars and, and moulds them into be, you know, far better players and brings them on a lot. And certainly there are signs that he could do that. I think he's probably the best man out there to do that. But I just think that at the minute, as it stands at the minute, obviously we're talking five years down the line, but if things are still as they are with the status of the clubs we're talking about, I just think that that top four will be, it'll be too big a gap for us to bridge. Jess? Um, yeah, I I think the consensus is that five years is a heck of a heck of a thing to predict. But I tell you what, let's let's go back five years. Who would have predicted that five years ago we would not have been out of the top six once? For the That's following true. five years. So yeah. no now why I agree that you look at Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea, City are advantaged financially quite heftily. However, Chelsea and City's dynamic is a little bit different to Arsenal and Man United. I think Man United have the capacity and the status and everything to actually blow away the rest of the Premier League for the next two or three years. I mean, their, their, their kick deal alone is £75 million per year. £75 million per year. That's not far off of half of our turnover. Um, Arsenal, again, They've got a great business model. Luckily for us, in a degree, they've got a guy, Jimmy Cranky, Stan Cronky, Jimmy Cranky, <laughs> that is there to feather his own nest. Uh, Chelsea and City, they've, they've got to do a balancing act because their money is... I know they've got rich owners, but the rich owners haven't got the latitude now to just throw money at it. Um, so, but the thing but, is, they're, they're established trophy winners yeah, and established no, Champions League competitors, you know? Guy. Absolutely. But you know what? The, the, the Premier League TV money makes the Champions League TV money look insignificant. It's no longer that huge advantage it was. It's still an advantage because, I mean, I think you get to cha- uh, quarterfinals, you get 20 million. So Arsenal don't get 20 million from it. Um, you Five years time. So, OK, let's, let's look at it realistically. I think next year... We could challenge for top four, but ultimately I think we'll miss out. I think that's fair enough. Um, but after that... If stadium, Pochettino stays. If Pochettino uh, stays... Well, wouldn't it be lovely in five years' time he's still our manager? Because that means he'd have been there for six I'll, I'll years. Tell you, I'll, I'll tell you one thing which, which is certain. Five years down the line, we're going to be two years into playing in the new stadium and, and, and we're yeah, going to have to play right. that off. Yeah, but yeah, but Jav, everyone's panicking about this. I don't get the panic. No, Arsenal no. built their stadium on the back of the best period of their history. We're building our new stadium on the most, you know, a pretty average and mundane period of our history. So on the face of it, you'd say, well, we're disadvantaged. 
there's one massive difference. TV money is five times what it was back then. Mm. We're going to get between 70 and 75 million per annum in our coffers. We've already paid 180 million pounds off of what's going to be a 450 million pound contract. So uh, cost. So how much is TV rights is going to pay for, help pay for it? We've got the naming rights to come. We've got the increased match day um, facilities. I don't think our we are going to be as compromised as, say, Arsenal were. I also don't think Arsenal were as compromised as they say they were. I think a lot of their selling was excuses. I mean, Adebayor wanted a pay rise. If he'd have got his pay rise, he stayed. Nasri wanted a pay rise. If he'd have got his pay rise, he would have stayed. Fabregas, he's from Barcelona. Why You can't blame the guy for wanting to go back. Um, and Van Persie, what clown... Uh, a great and Arsenal is a great club. They're a proper club. I've got a lot of respect for them. I hate them, but I respect them. Chelsea, I haven't got the time of day for them. But what clown at that club has allowed Van Persie to get down to the last year of his contract? And that's yeah. why, again, they've sold them. So we see what's happened at Arsenal. I don't think it's comparable for for one reason. We haven't got that level of player at Tottenham either, if we're quite honest. So I I think it's it's upwards and onwards and upwards. Now, in five years' time, I, would, I don't. There's not going to be any magic wand, and we're going to be top four every year. That's not realistic. But it'd be nice if we could say, coming into May, we've got a chance, and it'd be nice to finish above the goons as well. Yeah. Okay. Final, final question. So, Carol Hayward asks, um, could each oh, podcaster no. pick three members of the fam- Famalam under the following categories? Now, um, I should just say that I've, I've, I've rephrased the question slightly because we've, we've obviously got. She was referring to the Tottenham Hotspur family Facebook group, but we've got listeners that aren't part of that group. So I've rephrased it to perhaps limit it to people who have appeared on, on the podcast um, who, who aren't part of the group. Um, so the three categories are speaks the most sense, or think they do, the funniest member of the Famlam, and the sexiest um, Famlam member. So if I start, I'll, I'll kick c- start with this one um so speaks the most sense or thinks they do um, i'm not going to look any further than myself um next one um <laughs> the next one funniest member of the family um or funniest member of uh, funniest person who's appeared on the podcast i'll go with liam um liam hennessy um who was on last week and sexiest family member um I'm not going to say that, but I think the person knows who they are, so I don't want to say that, otherwise I'll just embarrass them. Oh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um... okay. I'll go next. Okay. I'm going to start with sexiest, which is Guy. Hey, uh... ten on the way. <laughs> don't show anybody thing... else them pictures I sent you, though, will you? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep them there for my eyes only. Um... <laughs> The funniest is definitely Liam. And who speaks the most sense on the podcast? Now, you see, this one's a tricky one because I respect everybody's opinion who's appeared on the podcast. I mean, everybody speaks sense. And that's Guy, Jess, um, Jav, uh, Ali, Greg, Zach. um, I mean, Bex, Carol, Lynette. Aaron, I mean, the the list is endless. So you can't ask me to to choose who speaks the most sense because I actually think that everybody makes a point. Well, just go for and, yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course I speak sense. But 
who speaks the least amount of sense. Okay, no, that's, <laughs> that's probably me too. No, let's talk about. Okay, sorry, I digress. Just, just like no, 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 go for it. So, who talks the most nonsense? Yes. <laughs> who talks the biggest load of bollocks? Is what we're talking. Go on, go for it. Go for it, Nikki. Unfortunately, the listeners won't know who this person is, but they would have heard his voice several times because he hasn't been on the podcast. But it's the person who asks the most bizarre questions. Hence, Goodrich, you need... (laughs) Seriously. I think think that's a a badge of honour for Kent. There's a a compliment in there. He is not well in the head. Seriously. Can't they? Carry, carry on doing what you're doing. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so my sexiest is Guy, um, the the funniest is Liam, and everybody speaks sense because we're the Tottenham Hotspur family and, of course, we speak sense. Oh, by the way, www.thetottenhamhotspurfamilypodcast.com. Go visit it. Okay. Good work. Guy? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Well, I've got to say, Jav's the sexiest, without a shadow of a doubt. Oh, thank you. Woohoo! <laughs> and you, Nick. I did say you at the start. So, to be fair, the, yeah, there's a there's a part of me thinks you're only giving me that back because I said that you were earlier, Nicky. But no, everybody looks <laughs> lovely. Everybody's very sexy. Everybody's great. Um, the Carol. Uh, let me just say at this. Sorry, at this I'm, I'm yeah, definitely, your... definitely. Carol's very sexy. Carol. But and that hair. Oh, <laughs> and that's very just under her arms. <laughs> At this juncture, I should point out, and if he's listening, I don't know if he does, but if he's listening, I'd like to say that Kent is very, yeah, some of Kent's questions are great. And I did have a bit of a tear up with him earlier this week. There was no hard feelings on my part. I just didn't agree with what he was saying. But ultimately, he's a good post and I like reading some of the things he puts on there. Um, this is going to sound like a bit creepy and a bit blowing smoke up his ass because he's on. But I have to say that I, I read a lot of people's posts on this podcast and there's a lot of people talks a lot of sense. But I have to say, Jesse, I think he's... Uh, I just feel as if the way he speak, the way he tells things, it's more, it's probably the most in common I've got with anybody regarding opinions, if that makes any sense. I think we've, we've probably shared similar backgrounds going to football matches and that sort of thing and coaching and managing. A lot of things Jess says, I, I think, well, yeah, good point. He's one of the few people that have made me look at my own opinions sometimes and perhaps change them a little bit, which takes a bit of doing. So, um, yeah, it's a good podcast. There's a lot of good people on there. Jesse, I've got a lot of time for. Obviously, I've got a lot of faith in my own opinions. So I wouldn't even be on here. Nikki, Carol, all the girls are very sexy, but Jeff just pinches it out a little bit. Um, <laughs> and funniest? Funniest? Oh, Christ. Um, oh, do you know, there's been some good posts. There's been, I like a lot of people. I can't think of off the top of my head, but there's been several posts where there's been probably eight or nine contributors to it, and they've all had me laughing. They're all good people. They're all good, funny people. So I'm not going to give an individual award for that one. Uh-huh. Okay. Jeff? I'm, I'm blushing. Thank you, thank, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Nikki no. sent you the pictures of me, hasn't she? <laughs> no, I've, I've had them for ages. Eh? <laughs> you took them. <laughs> you weren't supposed to. <laughs> I could see the curtains Revealed that. I see your foot. <laughs> I hope it was your foot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to mix the two because I think um, one cast is. I think it's. Emma, she both she makes me laugh, and I find her sense of humour and her demeanour. So she she fills two categories, I think. As a married man, obviously, you know, say that very innocently. 
Um, as, for, <laughs> as, as for talking sense and... Well, you know, I'm guy, yeah, I think me and you could probably bloody have a lock-in and talk football forever. And we could probably <laughs> end up talking a lot of nonsense by the end of it. But I, I agree with Nicky. There are so many opinions out there. And, and you know what? When I've done my first badge, the, the guys that did it, they said, you know what? There really is, in football, no rights and wrongs. Now, there obviously, there obviously are. However, an opinion's an opinion. It's not meant to be right or wrong. It's just what you think. And then the power of discussion, you then can bounce that opinion off. And I don't know about you, Guy, but I would always have, when our teams are ran, I would always have a good mate helping me out. Now, the Absolutely. reason I do that, now, the reason I do that, not because I value their knowledge of football or their, their input or what they do, but that I could actually just throw a few bits of nonsense their way. Bounce and, it off him, yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes they ignore it. So you say, right, well, that's obviously a load of nonsense. So they ignore that. And other times they go, oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. So you think, all right, well, that might be a goer. So, look, I think every single person that contributes their opinion, that stands up, holds their hands up, and tells us what they think, that is, it takes a brave people to then You see, sometimes people's opinions get battered down, and I think that's disgraceful mm. because sometimes, you know, you don't have to agree. And I, I, I've been guilty of that. I mean, I've been guilty of that. I can be very short-tempered with, with things that I don't agree with and, and are utter nonsense. However, you've got to just, and what I think I've done a lot lately, especially with the introduction of Famalam on the Cornwall show, there's so many idiots on there. I can't let them, I'm sorry, I just can't entertain some of the buffoonery that goes on on there. So what I say is I say mostly the people that contribute to the Facebook page, to the podcast, are uh, all getting equal billing. Every, every everyone talks sense to their degree, and that and that for me is more important of whether they're actually right or wrong or come up with anything brilliant. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And you know what I loved about what you just said, Famalam. <laughs> I didn't say Famalam, did I? But Oh, yeah, no. you did. You said Femalem. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't have done. I can't have done. Too much Rioca. <laughs> okay, so... I haven't we got time for one more question. Come on, one Jeff. Just one more. Um, yeah. We, we could have on. one from Kent. I know, I know that you... Um, <laughs> yeah, come on. Let's end off so, with So, all right. So, so Kent, Kent Goodrich, Goodrich asks, um, what do you think is the drink of choice for the current squad? Um, he says, a bottle of WKD for Lamella, pint of wife beater for Walker, milk for Kane, and something with an umbrella for Vlad. <laughs> no, I, I think, think Lamella's a pina colada, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think I think that um, uh, Ericsson is a... Is a, a um, creme de co- he's a creme de coconut shandy lime with a stick of celery and three American cherries. I was going to say a strawberry daiquiri. I was on them the other week. They're lovely. I had five or six of them last Saturday. They were fantastic. (laughs) Okay, strawberry daiquiri is Ericsson. I think that um, Hugo Lloris is is brandy and Coke. That's a very... A nice big brown glass and a nice dark claret for Mr. Hugo. You reckon? And probably a, and probably a cigar and a few oignons in the... Fazio's yeah. <laughs> got to be brown ale with grounded glass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, who, else? Torch, who else? What's Torch, then? 
I think Pochettino's probably in Malbec as well. Like a nice Argentine in Malbec and, a, and half a cow. <laughs> Pochettino is gorgeous, but we weren't talking about that, were we? Uh, <laughs> drinks. Mm. He's a martini shaken up. Well, yeah. A bit of a bond, yeah. Argentinian <laughs> bond. <laughs> Yeah. You could be, Hummus. Hummus Mickey, you could be the, po- the um, umbrella in Poch's cocktail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I'm coming over in two weeks, Pochettino. Get yourself ready. <laughs> Brace yourself. Um, He's like, coming in. We're not, not going to have him for the next five minutes, let alone five years. I'm, I'm a bit off Chadley, guys. The, the hair thing has put me off. He really needs to be cut it. I don't know what that ponytail is. But honestly, it is not attractive. It's like Bale. This whole Samson and Delilah thing, cut the hair and your form will get back on track. So who are you? What are you, a fucking girl? Cut your fucking hair. I wonder if, if Carol cut her hair, she'd probably never be able to play football again. She's got a lot of hair. I'm not, listen, I don't think I'm qualified in any way whatsoever to discuss hair, so I'll leave, leave the hair. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, fi- final final thing for me, I should just say that um, on the next podcast, um, myself and Nikki will be speaking to um, Martin Cloak and Cat Law from the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, so look out for that one. Um, we'll be interviewing them um, later this week. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you, Nikki, once again. Thank you, Guy, and thank you, Jess. Um, one quick thing yeah, before we go, Jav. Is anybody else going to Everton? Last game of the season, big party on the piss all day, strawberries, no. vodka jellies. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in England, but unfortunately, well, oh God, let me not say You'll be at a wedding. I am at a wedding on that day, so <laughs> yes, Poch and I are getting married. Don't tell his wife. Um, I am at a wedding that right. day, so unfortunately I won't be able to go to the game, but uh, it is being recorded for me, so I'll be able to watch it. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm sorry, I can't see you there, Nicky. I won't be able to make that because I'll get back from Malta on that Friday, unfortunately. So, I know. Uh, oh, sorry about there. that. I but don't... I will be, be is seeing, the Everton game's on a Sunday, there. isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I can't go. It's a family, friend's birthday, so I think we're going to Windsor for a picnic and stuff. And So I'm afraid uh season's over for me, guys. But, Sammy. yeah, I'll see... I'll see Whoever the int- attend, uh, uh, Jav, I trust you'll be there as your Londoner. Oh, Nicky's, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the twenty-second. Yeah, guys, whoever whoever's listening to this podcast and and you're not a friend on Facebook, please come and have um, a drink. Come and have a drink. I uh, we, we've actually decided to move the move the venue to a pub. I'm yet to decide where that pub is. Jess is going to give us some suggestions, but we'll we'll do an announcement. And please feel free to come and join us. We'd love to see the regular faces we met the last time and meet any new faces that feel so inclined to come and meet us. And uh, you know, it's not every day I come over to England, only every couple of months. So <laughs> make yeah. an effort and get asked into London. And, and it's a well cool. well known fact fact that Poch listens listens to this podcast. So so he'll yeah, he'll, he'll be there. As well, Nicky. Oh yeah. Or if he's not, <laughs> or if he's not, we've got Liam there, and he'll... he's second sexiest though, Potty, isn't he? Let's not forget that he's the second sexiest bloke here. Exactly, exactly. He's not the sexiest guy. He's not the sexiest. <laughs> right, thank you, guys. Um, Brilliant. The future's bright. The future's lily white. Good night. Glory, glory, hallelujah.